Well, we are in this small series as we look at the enemy of our souls. And we just finished what you could deem maybe a vision series, uh, an idea of who we want, what we want to do, who we want to be as the church for 2022. And, And that idea of just wanting to be unleashed just unleashing the full force of this church into our community to love people one at a time. And, and I just continue to pray that, that desire over you as you go into your community, that you have that mindset of let's just love or care for people one at a time. God will place those individuals into our lives and let's just be present, let's be in those moments, let's be obedient and just allow God to use us to minister to them, but with knowing that that's the type of vision and that's the that's the church that we want to be, you can guarantee that attacks will happen to you individually, to us as a church body, and that's why right after that series, I I needed just to teach on this because I want us to be prepared. I want us to understand our enemy for this whole entire year and beyond. Like, this is a teaching that isn't, I'm hoping you just don't use for this year, but you use it for the years to come because his attacks won't stop. Let's just be real. Like, the one main point I tried to get across to you last week is this, you are under attack. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are under attack. And we need to recognize that And we can't scoff at the idea of a spiritual battle going on. And too many of us do. We kind of just push it aside. And um, if we can't see it physically, it can't be that powerful. Well, it is extremely powerful. And that's why we're in this series. We are in week two of this series that we've entitled, When the Devil Knocks. Because he will come knocking at your door. He probably already is. He probably has this past week, probably was today. And thank you for tuning in. And if you had those things that popped up or distractions from you tuning into worship and you tuned in, thank you for being obedient. Thank you for fighting against that and worshiping God. And some people might be thinking when they hear someone talk about the enemy in church, you know, some people think, why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about the devil in church? Like, shouldn't we be talking about God? Shouldn't we be talking about Jesus? Shouldn't we be talking about how much he loves us? Yeah, we should, but this is very important. I just want to be clear, again, this is not a a devil-glorifying teaching. What it is, it's equipping those who are followers of Christ to know how to do battle against the one who hates God and hates you. I had a great conversation, a conversation with, with one of you, and that's how she described it, as she tried to describe it to their child who was like eight at the time and, and, and having, why do I want to do this stuff? And she says, because the devil hates you. And that is a great description because that's the reality. The devil hates you. His mission is extremely clear, right? He's here to steal, kill, and destroy everything, everything that matters to the heart of God. And guess what? You matter to God. 
So he's coming after you. But the good news in all of this is this, that greater is he who dwells within us than he who is in the world. So I just want to dive right in today and I just get right into all this. Ephesians 6, 12, in many ways, will set the context for today. And this is what Paul says about a real battle that's going on. He says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. If you missed last week, if you haven't picked it up yet already, we are talking about our spiritual enemy. And he has many different names in the Bible, right? He really does. We, we see the name Satan, Lucifer, the deceiver, the destroyer, the accuser, the father of lies, the prince of darkness, and it goes on and on. And we're looking at in this series three different images, three or three different metaphors of our spiritual enemy. Last week, we looked at the idea and the image of him being the deceiver. And we talked about that idea, that Satan is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. Next week is probably the most personal one to me, as we talk about the destroyer who attacks your will with pride. Today, though, I want us to talk about the image of the accuser, the accuser. Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. So let me tell you, honestly, how I hear the accusatory voice of my enemy. Now, Lisa and I don't get, don't fight, well, much anymore. I'm not going to say we never fight because we do. But when we do fight, it seems, it could look and it could sound like we're making up for lost time. It can get heated and hairy pretty quickly. Usually the surest way for us to get into a fight is usually really over something pretty stupid, to be honest. Some of it is over just stupid stuff. Usually for me, for maybe the next three days after that fight, I experience these fiery darts of accusations like you cannot imagine. The fiery darts that I experience after any fight with Lisa are things like, you're not truly a man of God. How could you be? You shouldn't even be preaching this Sunday, let alone ever. You're not worthy to be married to her. You are unrighteous. You, you're so undeserving. You're a bad example to your children. And it just spirals for days. And it continues with other things like, you're not a good dad. You're a horrible husband. And you definitely shouldn't be a pastor. And it goes on and it goes on. These fiery darts of accusations. What I hope you understand is those voices, they were not from my heavenly father who loves me. They were from my enemy who hates me. And I wonder, I wonder how many of you have experienced the voice of accusations in your heart. It comes from our enemy, who is known as the accuser. My prayer for you is simply this. My prayer 
is Isaiah 54, 17. And it says this, No weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. By the power of the risen Christ, may you silence every voice raised to accuse you. Now let's talk about the devil, the accuser. This is what John called the devil in Revelation. In Revelation 12, this is what he says. He says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. And he continues, he says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. The Greek word translated as accuser is the word is the, is the word diabol, diabolos, diabolos. It's used about 35 different times in the New Testament and it's translated as devil adversary or accuser. He doesn't stop accusing. So interesting is what the accuser will do is before you ever sin, he lies to you, right? And afterwards, the tone changes, right? After you sin, it's like beforehand, it's like, oh, you deserve it. It's fine. It's okay. And then the moment after his tone changes, he says, you're unworthy. Why would you even do that? You're unlovable. How could God, how could God use you now? See, before you sin, the devil will say things like, go ahead, go ahead. It's okay, just go ahead and do it. It's no big deal. And after you do it, you start hearing something different. It's like, man, you're pathetic. Man, you're no good. God definitely doesn't love you now after that. Before you sin, he lies. After you sin, he accuses In fact, when the devil talks to you about God, he lies. Did God really say that? But when the devil talks about you, he accuses. You're no good. You're unworthy. You're unlovable. So today we're talking about how do we overcome these voices of the accuser? And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a very powerful, personal, and prophetic text from Zechariah. Let me give you the context here as you turn there. Some of you might take it a little bit because you're thinking, Zechariah, is that a book in the Bible? It is. It's in the Old Testament, and you'll find it. Um, so here's the context. Zechariah has this vision, and he sees this heavenly courtroom, actually. So what I want you to do is I want you to imagine a courtroom right now, and we're actually going to see three different characters in this story. First of all, there's God. And in this vision, God is the judge. Then there's Joshua. And in the story here, Joshua is the high priest. He's the one that is on trial here. He's the defendant in this story. Then the third one, then there's Satan. Satan is the prosecutor. He's the accuser. He's the one trying to convince the judge, God, of Joshua's guilt in all this. And what's interesting is this, Satan actually appears to have a case 
about Joshua's guilt because he's going to say that Joshua's robes are very dirty and high priest's robes should always be clean. Always. There's no exception. They should always be clean. And what we have to remind ourselves, filth is always a sign or picture of sin in the Bible. So in this vision, Joshua is on trial. God is the judge. And Joshua is now being attacked by the accuser. So if you have your Bibles, if you found Zechariah, great, we're in chapter 3 here today. And we're going to start in verse 1. And this is what we read. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And we'll just pause there just for a quick moment. I want to talk to you about the angel of the Lord. Just briefly and quickly here. The angel of the Lord is most likely Christ here. And some of you may say, but Bill, how's that possible? How is Christ in the Old Testament? He's not even born yet, right? Well, let me teach you a word that I learned while spending a lot of money in school. And I'm going to put that money to use here today. I'm going to teach you a word that I learned in school. And it's this word called um, Christophini, Christophini. So uh, Christophini is an appearance of Christ in the Bible in a non-physical form. There's many Christophenies in the book of Daniel. Think of the fiery furnace, right? Three go in, and all of a sudden, there's a fourth there, right? So think of that. It's a non-physical form of Christ appearing in the Bible. So we continue on. Okay, so verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at the right side to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? In other words, what's being said here is he may be guilty. He may be guilty, but he is being saved from the punishment. Continues on in verse 3. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. He was dirty when he should have been clean. Imagine this. Um, he's standing before God. And he apparently is guilty. And I'm wondering, as you think about that, have you ever been somewhere and you were really, really underdressed? Has that ever happened to you? Just imagine that, though. And imagine, though, standing before God, and you're not just underdressed, but you've got sin on you. Right? There's the stain of sin. God is holy. And suddenly you feel incredibly guilty. And then imagine the prosecutor, the accuser, the devil, sitting right there pointing out what you did wrong. The devil accuses, hurling guilt and shame and condemnation. This is what the devil does, right? He is the accuser. He accuses God's people day in and day out. Now, before we look at the rest of this story, I want to show you some really good news, though. Because we've looked at who the devil is, but I also want to look at who Jesus is. Who is the devil? Well, the devil is the accuser. 
Who is Jesus? The good news is this, that Jesus is your advocate. He's your advocate. And in fact, in 1 John, John tells us this amazing news. And he says this, he says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who does what? Who pleads our case before the Father. Who is the advocate? He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. We have the one who accuses again and again and again, but we have the Son of God standing right beside us who is our advocate. He pitches our case. He defends us whenever the enemy attacks And the devil here in the story in Zechariah, he is trying to prove Joshua's guilt here. But Jesus is the defense for Joshua here. We continue on in verse 4 in Zechariah. It says, The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Essentially what he's saying, he's saying, yes, you are dirty. Yes, you are guilty. Yes, you may be unworthy, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm taking away all that, I'm taking away that which shows the residue of your sin. And I'm putting these fine garments on you. I'm putting on you something that you cannot earn. Or that you definitely didn't deserve. And I'm doing it not because you were good. But this shows how good I am. Take off those filthy clothes. And put the robes of righteousness on. This perfectly parallels the story that Jesus actually told in Luke 15. Right? With the prodigal son. Think about that. Think about that story. Especially think about the end of that story. When the son returned, and then he, you know, he, like, he came to his senses, and he went to the father, and he knew that he was dirty. He knew he was f- filthy, like physically dirty, physically filthy, filthy besides other, besides spiritually as well. But he returned to the father in that condition. It says he returned to the father filthy and dirty. And his father, who, as we know, was waiting every day, waiting to see his son coming home, He sees him, and we know that he runs to him. And what does the father do? He takes off his own robe that was completely clean, and he put it over the filth of his son. So when the father looked at the son, he didn't see the residue of sin, but instead saw the outward righteousness of the father. And he said, you are always, you are always a son to me. Now let's go home and let's celebrate you coming home. This is the perfect picture of what is happening in Zechariah 3. The high priest was guilty. And the angel of the Lord says, take off those dirty robes and put on the fine garments. It continues, verse 5. And it says, then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord gave this charge 
to Joshua. Essentially, he's saying, here is your assignment, Joshua. And what I want you to notice is what the angel didn't say here. The angel did not say, Joshua, after your poor behavior, we're going to put you on a one-year probation period. And after that, if you, if you are able to live up to our standards, then perhaps, perhaps at the end of the year, you can enter back into some low-level entry position and to serve the Lord and maybe work your way back up. Let's see exactly what he said, though. Verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among those standing here. The angel ordered, take off the filthy garments, put on the fine garments, and then he essentially said, return to the temple. Return to the temple, Joshua, and keep on serving the Lord. I don't know who needs to hear that today. But if you've been living under the accusations of the enemy, the idea that you can never, that you can't, that you never will, and after what you did, and you've been away for so long, and you're not good enough, and you've had doubt, God says this, no, I have forgiven you. I have forgiven your sins. Get back in the temple and keep on serving the Lord. Keep on loving others. Keep on pointing them to Jesus. Keep on loving in my name. Keep on lifting up my name. So how do we know? How do we know whenever we've done something wrong and we start to hear that inner sense of something? You know, we need, as Jesus' followers, to learn to clearly distinguish between the devil's accusations and the Spirit's conviction. We need to do that as followers of Jesus. And we need to clearly distinguish between the two. Because you're going to have that going on in your mind. And probably a lot of us are like, I don't know. Is this, the, is, this, is this accusation or is this conviction? Is this coming from the spirit or is this coming from my enemy? Because they are very different. Very different. In fact, what does an accusation do? Well, usually an accusation, it drives us away, it drives us away from God, Right? Anytime you get accused, this idea, you're not good enough, you're unworthy, it drives a wedge, right? And we start to just walk, you know, create a bigger distance between ourselves and God because of that. Conviction, on the other hand, conviction leads us to God. That's when you can tell the difference. The accusations is it's when you're trying to distance yourself from God. Conviction will actually lead you to God. It's this idea of like, man, I need his grace. I, I, I need his mercy. I, I, I need his forgiveness. See, accusations, what they do is they make us feel guilty and ashamed, right? Convictions, on the other hand, it shows our need. It pulls us into the goodness and the grace of God. So whatever Satan accuses us of, he wants you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel shame. He wants you to feel unlovable. He wants you to feel unworthy. But whenever the Spirit convicts, this is what happens. 
it will draw you, actually. It will draw you to the presence of God to experience His grace, to experience His goodness. It's the conviction that leads you to confess your sins because God is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's conviction that draws you into the goodness of God where his presence says, now therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, whenever the Spirit convicts, we step into God. We step into his grace because he is good through and through. I love how one preacher has put it, and I've mentioned this in the past because I love how they put it. And it says, the devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. There is a difference, isn't there? Satan knows your name, but you never hear him call you by your name. He will call you by your sin. God knows your sin. He knows what you've done, but instead he calls you by your name. He knows what you did, but in spite of that, he doesn't hold your sin against you. In fact, I love how Paul describes it, actually. How do we do battle? Against the evil one? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, and he says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Whenever the enemy starts lying to us, starts in accusing us, telling us what we're not, we take that thought and we take it captive and we fight with these spiritual weapons. We take the accusations of the enemy and we capture them and we make those obedient to Christ. How do we do that? By reminding Satan what God says we are through his word, right? You are not who your enemy says you are. What he's doing, he's trying to talk you out of living for God. He's trying to talk you out from glorifying God, of trying to make a difference, of being connected to people. He has a mission to steal, kill, and destroy everything that matters to God. And he's attacking you with accusations. The good news is this. You have an advocate. You have a defense. And he is actually seated right next to God the Father. And he says to the God the Father, reminds him, no, that's not true. Remember what, we've, remember what I did for him. Remember what I did for her. Let me tell you what's true. There is no condemnation. She is new in Christ. He is forgiven. He has been made new. Do not let the devil talk you out of doing what God created you to do. So when your enemy accuses, this is my prayer for you. 
that no weapon turned against you will succeed, that by the power of truth you will take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Because you know the truth and the truth will set you free, you will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. That is my prayer for you. And the good news in all this is this, that you've got Christ defending you, standing with you, and greater is the one who dwells within you than he who is in the world. Amen? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we recognize that we have an enemy, a powerful enemy that hates everything that matters to you. And because we matter to you and because we are created in your image and a reflection of your heart, he hates us. And I pray we stand firm and we stand strong with the weapons that you have given to us to use. Let us distinguish between the accusations of the devil and the convictions of your spirit. Let us be reminded of what Satan's mission is here. He's going to hurl insults. He's going to hurl accusations. And he's going to try to present a case before you to say they're guilty. And the reality is we are. We are. But we have your son, who is our advocate, who stands right beside us defending our case, defending us. And I pray we recognize that. And I pray that we'll learn to distinguish between your conviction and the enemy's accusations. Because we, we don't want to be driven away from you, but instead we want to be drawn closer to you into your presence so you, we can make a difference. So we can lead people into your presence. So Lord, help us with us. Let us be aware of these resources and these weapons that you provided for us and let us start using them. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.